535, hit us out to Laredo About to pick us some pounds so we can make us some queso No luggage in the trunk, just me and Saki Headed back down to Texas, now we serving these beans Welcome to the I-35 Sports Connection. It's your boy, Triple A in the building. No Mila in the building. She's coming back from traveling, so we're giving her a little rest day to catch up. You know, she's been she's been an international person doing her thing with uh, her real job. You know, something's got to pay these bills. Uh, so we're going to talk a little K-State. We're going to talk a little cheese. We're going to talk some Dallas Cowboys, probably the real reason she's not wanting to be on today. <laughs> uh, but let's go ahead and get into it. Let's talk a little K-State because they finally got back on their winning ways uh, against new Big 12 rival, UCF in a game that wasn't really close once the second half started. So that was good to see, right? You wanted to see somewhat of a dominant performance from uh, K-State, especially at home and after what happened uh, playing against Mizzou. Now, what I want to get into with K-State is kind of like what we had been talking about, right? Uh, With this K-State offense, we mentioned it in the pit stop for the Mizzou game and how they're able to get back on track, but it was getting the running backs back involved in the offense, especially in the passing game, and getting Big Ben involved in the passing game. And that's what K-State did, right? I mean, Giddens was a monster in the receiving game. Ben was a monster in the receiving game. And you kind of pulled back a little bit on the receivers, whereas what we talked about earlier in this year was that you want to force the ball to the receivers in the first two games to really build that relationship, build that chemistry. But once you start getting into tougher competition – you want to go to your RBs and tight end first and then open it up to those wide receivers. And I think against Mizzou, Howard tried to force that ball a little bit too much and we ran into some issues. So it was a good win. Stayed close in the first half. Start of the second half. K-State finally started to pull away by fourth quarter. This game was over. So really good to see if you're a K-State fan that, that you know, we finally started to, to pull away there and, and got to win pretty comfortably. But There are some trends. K-State's going into an off week here. Uh, They are going to play a very woeful OK State team that has been struggling to do anything offensively that has about 15 different quarterbacks going four series each in this game, uh, including the coach's son. So I don't expect too much there, but they're a team that plays very tough. And K-State has a lot they need to start fixing before you know, we really get into the heart of Big 12 play here. So I think with this off off week, K-State's got to focus on, one, uh, the biggest trend defensively and what we saw in this UCF game. While K-State kind of dominated, they still gave up way too many big plays uh, to UCF, right? I mean, anytime you see a play of 48 yards, 69 yards, 29 yards, and 20 yards means you have some issues on your defense, especially in that secondary. So I think K-State's going to have to start to figure out a way with this inexperienced secondary, which honestly was part of the problem against that Mizzou team that it wasn't necessarily that Mizzou matriculated the ball down the field on you. It was that like they got big, big chunks with burden against you is that how are you going to stop the big play? Because that's what's been killing this K-State team defensively is that hey you're good you're good boom big play you're good you're good boom big play and it's it's really been a lot of miscommunication in the secondary or if the quarterback has just a little bit too much time to throw he's finding the big guy and it's not that 
there's not pressure. It's if he has a normal, adequate amount of time, he's able to find the receiver over top or the big play. Um, so there's some problems there, and I, you're already running a, a three-three-five, so you already have a lot dedicated, you know, to the passing game to try to stop it. So you got to fix the miscommunication. I don't know if that's something about maybe making the zone scheme a little simpler to understand or if it's hey you know what instead of using our our best linebacker who's very good at blitzing the quarterback maybe we drop him back in coverage a little bit more and we blitz with somebody else I'm not sure what that answer is but this is the week where K-State's got to figure out how to prevent the big play because it's going to hurt K-State as we go on, it already hurts you against the Mizzou game and you've lost like your your margin for error now. And I don't think it's going to hurt you against OK State. But once you play Texas Tech uh, and that very veteran quarterback that they have who has seen it all and done it all in the passing game, it's definitely going to hurt. And then if you want to pull the upset in Austin and ugh, I, I really hate saying this against a Jayhawk team that has a lot of big play potential that. You know, you're kind of looking at it, and that might be a game to to decide who is going to the Big 12 title game. So I don't want to say, but K-State looks very uh, dynamic offensively, and they happen to be very strong where you're very weak. So you got to fix that secondary issue if you're the Wildcats. And then offensively, the biggest issue I think offensively is that Will Howard's trying a little bit too much. We don't need the tight throw. We don't need the pass and triple coverage. I think he's pressing. We need to rein it back. We need to dial Will Howard a little bit back here. I'm not saying every interception is his fault, but I'm saying he's forcing the ball and it's leading to a lot more turnovers than what we need. Now, the week off is going to be great for his health so he can continue to heal. But we've got to do something about taking the pressure off Howard. And I think what you saw with us going to Big Ben and going to the RBs in the passing game is that that helped take a lot of pressure off of him having to feeling like he needed to make a big play. So I think we could continue that, just reinforce, hey, we don't need you to win the game on every drive. Just play within the offense. And there will be times where you have to make the throw. We trust that you can make the throw, but it's not an every drive thing, right? And I think that like in the Mizzou game, hurt K-State. And for the most part in this UCF game, definitely helped correct it. Now, the good thing is when you're going up against this OK State team next after this bye week is that like you can try a lot of these new things that you want to to fix the defensive secondary and it's not going to kill you against Oklahoma State because even if they burn you a couple times, that defense of OK State isn't good enough to stop you. That you can gas them any way you want, through the ground, through the air. It, it does not matter. They, they struggle that much defensively, and they, they struggle to get teams off of the field on third down. So you'll have your opportunities. I don't think that game is going to be anywhere inside of uh, single digits. So that's the game where if you want to try something, and luckily during Big 12 play where you have a lot of tough opponents, you actually have a game coming up here where whatever fix you want to try – this is the game to do it coming up. So kind of concludes our little K-State talk. Now we're going to transition to your Kansas City Chiefs in a game that if you're 
looked at the news the next uh, day, you would, you wouldn't even know uh, the Chiefs played a game. It was all about the Kelsey and Taylor Swift show, apparently, and the game was secondary to anything that happened. And yes, you played the Chicago Bears, and that game was over very fast because you're up more than 30 points by halftime, it seemed like. So let's talk about the game first, and then I guess we'll touch on the T-Swift stuff and the Travis Kelsey stuff, which I think is just a PR move. Uh, But we can talk about that after we talk about the game here. So like I said, you're up over 30 at halftime. Uh, I mean, 34 nothing at the half is, is it's hard to keep track of <laughs> all the negatives, <laughs> which there weren't many. Um, but I, I think what we saw here is if you remember during the, the Chiefs pit stop that we did um, for the Jacksonville game, the Chiefs actually made the made the adjustment in this game. I wish they would have done in Jacksonville game would have been a lot easier. Still one. But here's the adjustment. Oh, the running backs, they got involved in the passing game, which we had been preaching, right? Get them involved in the passing game. They'll open everything up. Andy Reid and the Chiefs run a fantastic zone or run a fantastic screen game. And the Chiefs finally started to do that. And in those first couple of games, you were missing it, right? It was almost like, hey, Kelsey's not on the field. We don't want to run the screen. But you have these fantastic running backs that can really take advantage of it. And what you saw here is that the Chiefs really dominated uh, on the ground and in the air, but especially with their running backs, which was fantastic to see. So you went into this game and you've got contribution from damn near every single running back, right? So you look at that passing game, McKinnon got two touchdowns through the air, right? Three receptions. Isaiah Pacheco got two receptions. Clyde Edwards got a reception. So that right there is you got six passes. And I think for the Jacksonville pit stop, I was telling you, you want to get at least five passes in the air to your RBs and you got six and you saw just how much more dynamic that offense looked. Opened up the running game as well, right? Whenever your running back's averaging four yards a pop, you got to love it. And that's what Kansas City was able to do. Got a couple of touchdowns through the ground too. So that group right there was very dynamic. And what did that do? It took a lot of pressure off your wide receivers, right? Um, to have to feel like they needed to make the big play. Gave Mahomes a little bit easier options here. And Rice looked good. Kelsey looked good. So... I think whenever you start feeding those RBs, it just really helps everything out. So Bears, not the hardest opponent, a team that is, you know, fighting for the first round pick. You're going up against a a jet squad that you should be able to roll past, but with a much better defense, but a, a very lackluster offense, if you will, but it'll be a good test for Kansas city. Um, especially the Chiefs secondary, right? To build that experience uh, for later on with a quarterback who could take advantage, not Zach Wilson, obviously, but later opponents. Garrett Wilson's always a tough cover. Lazard is always tough. Um, So you got a good opponent to face. Uh, Not really a threat as far as the Chiefs losing it, but an opportunity here where the Chiefs secondary can continue to progress as well. So really good stuff there. And you'd love to see what the Chiefs wide receivers can do against this very dynamic Jets defense, right? I think the pathway to win is still the same, right? You want to win, get the ball to your running backs and to your tight end here, open everything up. But if you're the Chiefs, you'd love to see some flashes of brilliance from your wide receivers against this very tough Jets secondary coming up. So Let's move on to, I guess, what overshadowed the game completely. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. And I'm not going to get into it too much. I'm just going to say this. It seems very PR move. 
whenever you leave a stadium and make sure people see you rolling out in a convertible. I, I think you're doing it because you want people to see it. Um, they never said they were dating, but it's just accepting the invite to the game. It's good for both of them. Travis Kelsey's jersey sales went up like 400. Merchandise sales went up 400%. I'm sure Swift's going to get a bunch of you know, extra downloads um, and interest. So like it was, it was more of one of those win-win situations. I really don't think this is going to progress to anything. I don't think it is anything. I think it is strictly just, hey, this would be a funny PR move. Ha ha. Let's play tongue in cheek with the, with the town, with the media. And, you know, it'll help us both out. And at the end of the day, I really don't care. So <laughs> uh, that's all I'm going to say about the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift shit. I, I do not care. Uh, props to New Balance because apparently she was wearing some New Balance red shoes that freaking are their number one sellers now. So everybody's out here winning and I hope all of them got a cut of that merchandise. So good for them. I think that just proves that like no matter how big we deem the NFL and our favorite players are in the grand scheme of things it's not the biggest thing out here. So there's always something that's much bigger than you. Uh, and I think the Chiefs just found that out, and the NFL just found out that Taylor Swift was bigger than them, which, hey, it happens. So <laughs> bully for them. All right, let's talk to the Cowboys and what the hell happened against the Arizona Cardinals. And I think this is oh, this is so hard because the Cowboys, if you looked at the first two weeks, you're thinking Super Bowl contender. And then you look at this Arizona game, and you are just very depressed here. I will start off by saying damn near half of the offensive line was out of this game. So you were missing a lot of pieces there, which, I mean, definitely can hurt you. But even without it, I'd say Dak still had a lot of time to throw. The ground game looked phenomenal. Um, the biggest miss, even though the half of the offensive line out, seemed to be the Cowboys defense, the vaunted defense and they were really only missing digs, but I think that had the domino effect, right? So you had to have Gilmore move up to the number one guy, the number one shutdown corner, and that's not really who he is anymore, uh, a number one shutdown guy. Um, and it caused you to end up playing like some people that you don't necessarily want to play all the time, which I, you know, which I, I think really hurt the Cowboys uh, defense. And I think it put pressure on the rest of the defense to try to get more pressure on the quarterback uh, or to make the bigger play just to help out everything with uh, Diggs. So I think there was just like cascading effect, it seemed like, because there was a lot of breakdowns here. Uh, I mean, gosh, I'm just going to quickly go over just how many big plays the Cardinals have. And keep in mind, this was a winless team going into this game. So they had runs of 26, 44, 45. Then they had passes of 69 and 23. I mean, oh my gosh. That was, it was just big play after big play, and it seemed like the Cowboys couldn't get them off of the field without giving up a big play. And I think that really helped the Cardinals because that on damn near every single Cardinal scoring drive, at no point did the Cardinals actually have to methodically move the ball down the field. There was only literally one Cardinals drive, one Cardinals scoring drive. And I think this is the key here for the defense. One Cardinals scoring drive where the Cardinals actually went double digit into the number of plays on a drive. So because the Cardinals were able to exploit the Cowboys defense for these big plays, they never had to move that ball down the field. They never had to, you know, Chiefs lingo here, matriculate the ball down the field at all. 
when you only have one drive, one scoring drive, where you go double digits into the play number, that means you're getting chunk plays here. And that's what happened against the Cowboys defense. And what really bit them in this game is that you can't get the opportunities to get them off of the field. You were giving up these mass yardage numbers. And God, that really hurt. And at no point was there an adjustment made, which I think was almost as much as Dan Quinn has helped you know, this Cowboys defense, it was, it was almost in an indictment that like, he was like, trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. But damn, we're at the end of the game and we can't trust this process anymore for the love of everything, make an adjustment. And it didn't seem like the Cowboys defense did. Now the Cowboys offense certainly didn't do them any favors by being so ineffective in the red zone. I mean, interception in the red zone, uh, had to settle for field goals in the red zone, had to be kicked out on downs in the red zone. So they weren't punching the ball into the end zone. And when you're, when you're a Cowboys team and you weren't getting the big chunk plays that Arizona was getting, for instance, the Cowboys scoring drives, 10 plays, 13 plays, 13 plays. Um, and then it was 12 plays. And then it was, well, the, the drive that ended the game on the interception, 13 plays. So as you can see, the Cowboys had to continually move the ball down the field, which they were able to. Uh, the Cardinals defense could not stop the Cowboys until they got into that red zone area. And the Cowboys had to move the ball and they just struggled to punch that ball in. It was almost the Cardinals were going, hey, bend but don't break. We're going to stop you down here in the red zone. You can matriculate all you want from 20 to 20. Don't give a shit. But once you come near the end zone, everything we got, we're going to try to stop you. And I don't think the right reads were being made, especially, I mean, the, the interception was just, that was painful. And I, I'm not like a Dak hater or a Dak lover, but that was inexcusable. And it did end up costing you a chance to win the game, right? You would go three timeouts, three minutes left if you score there. And you would hopefully trust that your defense could get you the ball back. Um, but, oh, that wasn't a pretty, that wasn't pretty. And then the play calling suspect here from Mike McCarthy, that was, I think that was the first sign. And this was, you know, not that the, the Cowboys didn't really play the toughest of opponents in the Jets and the Giants. So this was a slightly tougher opponent offensively. And it really showed, I think the difference between Kellen Moore play calling and Mike McCarthy play calling uh because with kellen you're the number one scoring offense right the red zone is not an issue for you but with mccarthy when everything is timed and intermediate it's hard it's hard to get into the end zone and move the ball very fast on that last drive it took forever just for the cowboys to move the ball down the field and then that was when they decided hey let's start trying to run the ball in the red zone but i'm like no 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 you should have been doing that on your earlier red zone drives. Now you need to get passing here to save clock. And it, it seemed very counterintuitive because in the earlier red zone drive, you're trying to pass the ball or roll the ball into the end zone. And in the one before that, once again, you're trying to pass the ball and will the ball into the end zone. But on your drive to try to get back into this game late in the game, you decide to run I was like, it was a little bit of like a head scratching scenario for me wondering what the hell are you doing? Mike McCarthy, the play calling was very suspect is like at the end of the game is now when you decide to try to run in the red zone rather than doing it earlier. Uh, so 
I think there's a lot of issues here offensively, uh, just consistently for the Cowboys that they need to work on. The bigger issue is how the hell can one guy defensively make that bit that much of an impact onto your team? Like that's the scary thing is that like your offensive line should get healthier and come back. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, Tyron is going to be back or consistent, but Biotis should be back. But what the hell happened on that defense against the team that shouldn't be able to challenge you defensive or with their offense the way the Cardinals did? That offense, though they have some players, you're talking about probably their third string quarterback in Dobbs a running back who is clinging to his career and Connor who had a bad year the last couple Marquise uh, Marquise Brown, who was let go by the Ravens who drafted him very highly. Um, and it's rare that a high draft pick is given up on. So you just wonder what the heck happened in this game. So a lot of adjustments for the Cowboys to make. Now, good news is, you get a you get to play offense that has not been dynamic in New England, and you get to come back home and play New England. So this is Zeke's homecoming. He's coming off of his best game of the year uh, with New England last week. So 16 touches, I think he had 80 yards. Super effective for the Patriots, but this offense is not dynamic whatsoever. So if New England New England comes into Dallas and puts up over 20 points, I would be concerned as a Cowboys fan and think there's like huge problems defensively for my team because this New England offense should not be able to put up 20 points on this Cowboys defense whatsoever. So I think that's going to be the thing to watch here is that how's the defense going to respond? I think the offense will respond. I'm not a Mike McCarthy guy, but I feel as if even him with all these weapons that the Cowboys have offensively cannot hinder the Cowboys offense <laughs> to, to score under 20 against these Patriots. But it's going to be, it's going to be very telling. It's going to be very telling. It's a good defensive team in new England, but it's a very inept offense. So you got to trust that the Cowboys are going to be able to do something here. Let me know what you think. Hit me up at I 35 sports ZXN, and we will see you later.